Yeah, what's up, uh, Nava? Is this Nava? Yeah, this is me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm hoping it's you. <laughs> what's going on, man? Um, hey guys, we have Johnny Nava on the podcast today talking about stoicism, something that I know very little about. So, uh, hey Johnny, uh, can you? Uh, I guess just a uh, tell us what stoicism is. Yeah, sure. So I guess it's a, it's a good place to start. So Stoicism is essentially, it's a Hellenistic philosophy. So basically, it's this philosophy that came from Greece. Uh, and at a time, uh, you know, this was probably like 300 BC when Stoicism really came about. But it was at a time in Greek history where there were lots of different philosophies. So um, like someone like Aristotle was someone who was around at the time, but, you know, he studies all these different sciences. He's, he's a philosopher, but he's also a zoologist, a mathematician. Uh, you know, he does all these different things. But what is just a way of thinking, and it's focused on basically focusing on trying to ignore it. Summed up into a sentence, more complicated than that, but <laughs> that's a very very condensed version of it okay and how did you get into stoicism um you know yeah how did you get into stoicism <laughs> yeah uh so it, there was a point in my life where you know I, I personally grew up very religious so my, my parents were religious my whole family was and so uh once i became you know 18 or 19 i had already started having some doubts about it but uh, getting into my early adulthood, I realized it just wasn't for me. Organized religion just wasn't for me. Uh, but that left this kind of kind of a gap in terms of, you know, my thinking. Uh, when you're in a religion, you know, you have all these answers for existential questions. Like, what happens when you die? And, you know, how should you live your life? What morals should you have? And uh, once that's gone, you know, it kind of puts you in a bit of an existential crisis. Or at least it did for me. And so... I started looking to philosophy as kind of a way to navigate myself out of that existential crisis. And along the way, I, I picked up a book called Meditations, which is one of like, it's one of the Stoic Bibles, basically. And uh, just getting into that book and looking into Stoicism afterwards is kind of how I got my start. Okay. And what religion did you grow up with? I'm a Christian. So my, my, family on my dad's side you know there's there's a church so at some point somebody owned a church so uh you know is christian for sure at some point somebody owned a church like you mean in your family or yeah so like my my grandparents are actually like first generation americans so um i don't look very mexican but my my family is very, is very mexican so they came over here from mexico and started a church in san francisco and so at one point, we had like an entire city block of my family in San Francisco that all went to the same church. But uh, that's just kind of like the roots, how how deep the roots are in terms of religion going in my family, for sure. Okay. And let's back up a little bit. I actually kind of wanted to sure. start with, um, I guess, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself growing up. Where did you grow up? Where did you go to high school, college, if you went to college? And um, that type of stuff. And then we'll get into stoicism. Yeah, sure. No problem. So my name is Johnny Nava. I think the reason uh, I might be on the podcast is because I'm interested in stoicism, but I also have my own podcast called Don't Panic, We're All Going to Die, 
where I like to explore, you know, existential topics like, uh, you know, habits when we die and how to navigate through anxiety. But where I came from uh, basically is outside of the Bay Area. So I was born in San Francisco, but grew up in a sleepy beach town just a few miles south of it called Pacifica. And uh, after I graduated high school, I went to film school. Um, I was, I've been a writer for a long time and I got a scholarship to go to school. And so uh, I just went there for a while. Once I graduated, I worked in film on the development side of things, but I uh, just realized it wasn't for me. And so I kind of pivoted into uh, doing work with technology. But uh, outside of that, you know, I spent a ton of time just, you know, writing and focusing on exploring existential topics on my podcast. Okay. And did, did you ever write anything for um, film or whatever, or, or did you just kind of completely skip that? So I, I've read a few, like I've written a few screenplays and I've written screenplays for people. Um, but at the moment I'm working on a book. I, I just kind of feel like uh, with film, the problem is, is like you can just be in development hell for like 10 years. And it's not really huge. Uh, I feel like there's very little guidance for a path forward if you're trying to be on the production side of things. So um, this wasn't for me. But I do like like write articles and and I write Reddit posts and things like that and stay pretty active on uh, you know doing podcasts and stuff. Okay, cool. And then in terms of tech, what do you do in tech? I've talked to a couple people now who work in tech, and that's something that is pretty interesting to me too. Yeah, I mean, uh, tech's great. It's, it's so interesting what they're doing in terms of like using artificial tel- intelligence to automate so many ways that we do business, but. I'm a, so I started off with human like resource management type of technology. So it's like uh, with tools that are used to train people like compliance training. And then uh, just, I've been like ERP sales for a few years. So basically uh, it's, <laughs> I always struggle explaining this to people, but an ERP is like the engine for your business. So it's what houses all the data relating to your finances, your inventory and your CRM. But Right now, I'm just selling travel and expense software, so it's it's cool. Okay, cool. Yeah, as far as tech goes, I've kind of noticed recently with the AI and stuff um, how it's kind of getting to a point where it almost seems like the AI is going to be able to like write articles and and um, almost like do um, you know videos and stuff like that. Um, where do you see that going? Because I, you know what I mean? Like just it kind of t- almost like taking over people's jobs. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, I, I've seen it on the, the accounting side of things just because like I can see these systems, they're basically like, imagine if you had an employee that can do all of your accounting, all of your inventory management, keep track of all your customers and like never took vacation days and worked 24 seven. I mean, that's like the extent of what the software can do for your entire company and in a lot of cases, which is why like so many of these companies have so many tech stacks and it's just technology companies are like, you know, there's like, there's some companies that are like that giant whale shark. And then there's like the entire ecosystem of companies that are like those little fish that grip to the side of them that, you know, <laughs> they offer very specific service. So it's crazy. But um, to your point, I was talking to this guy who I highly respect my podcast his name is kevin kelly and he's a futurist and he knows way more about the future than me but one of the interesting things that he brought up was that ai can now draw 
very detailed pictures based on just a few words of instruction. So you can say, you know, I want uh, a field in the style of Monet and it would be able to draw a field in the style of Monet, but the problem is just like, where does that come with copyright? You know, and uh, if, he, if an artist doesn't want to be mimicked, I mean, how much say does he have in that or he or she have in that, you know, it's, there's all these, uh, these really interesting conversations that come from it. I think the important thing is asking the questions. Yeah, for sure. And I, speaking of that, I like literally just saw today an app that does just that. It like draws something for you based on just some words you give it, you know, like the words that I gave it was like an L or it just, it popped up saying an elephant playing poker. Then this AI like drew an elephant playing poker. Um, yeah, it's insane. So I was like, yeah, how far are we away from all social media, just our music and all art and everything just being taken over from AI, you know, um, what are, what are like some podcasts? You said you have your own podcast. What are some podcasts you listen to that you like? Um, I like the daily stoic on, on the topic of stoicism. I think, uh, Ryan holiday is, uh, I mean, he knows his stuff just because you spend so much time with the material. So if you're interested in stoicism, that's a great one. Um, I like, I follow a lot of news podcasts. Um, I, there's a couple of guys that do really good interviews that I like, like Tim Ferriss, I think is really good interviews. So I like listening to him. I think Bill Simmons is really funny on the sports side of things, but I'm kind of basic, you know, I, I don't, I don't listen to too many, too many niche prod, uh, podcasts, but uh, there is one called dirty, sexy history uh, run by Jessica Kale. And that one's really cool. It's like, it dives into like the, the darker sides of history and kind of, uh, you know, we have this idea of, of people from like the Victorian era being very, like, very prude. And she explores all these different ways that they're not, you know, so it's, there's all types of good stuff out there. Yeah. Okay. And how is your experience with pod? You said you have 16 episodes, right? How has your experience mm -hmm. with podcasting been so far? Like, do you, um, yeah, well, first of all, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's been a complete blessing honestly uh I, I started it on january 1st of this year i i had been working on it i didn't really know when i wanted to drop it but i was like if i drop it on the first i can i can really track you know how long i've been doing this for and in the first eight months i mean i, I just i've talked to some really cool people and uh, i think i've had the cool part about it is the intention was always to you know do a podcast from having conversations with people about solutions to problems like anxiety and it's really cool to hear from people to hear that you know that's helped them in some way that there's something to navigate but dude, it's it's so insane like uh that kevin kelly is my most recent guest and it was that was somebody who like i'd read his books i'd followed his articles i had like listened to his interviews for so long so to be able to talk to him on the podcast was so cool yeah that is pretty cool if you get someone who you've like admired for a while, you know, the hard part that I'm finding is getting, I mean, just recently, excuse me, because of that podcast guest exchange, you know, on Reddit, I've been able to pick mm -hmm. up some more people who are actually looking to come on podcasts like you, you know, you posted on there and um, that definitely makes it easier. But before that, I was kind of just like randomly going to subreddits and like asking people. And the hardest part for me that I've noticed is just getting people on. Like I had, before I was doing this, I had, um, I was doing it with a couple friends and it's like, I kind of tell they just weren't that into doing it. And it's like, it's hard to get people who are 
into doing it, especially if they're not getting paid or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like for me, it's just, I do it for fun, but a lot of people, I think, I don't know, maybe like want money out of it or something like most things, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it just, that that's the hard part, right? Especially if like you're, you're, you're operating something that requires a second person. If, if the idea is to have a conversation with somebody every time, uh, I don't know. In my experience, you have to just have to cast a wide net, and then you know, every once in a while, yeah, somebody says yes that you don't expect to, and that's what's really cool is uh, when you, when it, it works out, you know, and you you have you find somebody that you want to speak to, and you reach out to them, and you can set some time up, just like you know, hitting the stop button on the record once the interview is finished. There's there's nothing like it. Oh yeah. I love it. Like that, like, you know, YouTube, I don't know if you do YouTube videos, but like yeah. making a YouTube video and then posting it or Instagram or whatever. And even if it doesn't yeah. do, even if it doesn't do like super good, like just doing it is fun to me. Like that's, and it's like, just recently I've kind of realized, I don't know if it's because of my age or what, but before I think I might've been too like nervous to do it i don't know maybe thinking oh like i can't do that but then i started listening to podcasts and seeing podcasts of people who are doing well and i'm kind of like if they can do it then i can do it you know what i mean like obviously some people have are better at it than me but there's no reason why i shouldn't be able to at least do it for fun you know yeah and i think that's the first step and that everyone takes right it's it's like you know uh <laughs> john mary talks about seeing Marty McFly in Back to the Future and being like, hey, I think I can do that. And then now he's like one of the best guitarists ever, right? It's like, it's that thing where it's like you uh, you think, I can at least be as good as this person who's successful at it. And then that's like the first, that's what gets you started, I think. Yeah. And, and especially now with technology where anybody can do it. Like, you know, like I was saying bef- with before, five years ago, I wouldn't be able to do this. But now I'm like literally just doing it over my phone. And um, before I probably would have had to buy a bunch of ex- expensive equipment or probably just a nice computer, but, but anyways, let's, what's up? Yeah, no, I was just going to say, and like, and just like publishing it, like there's websites that support it. There's the, the AI that helps us along the way, you know, Spotify, it's, it's pretty easy to get your stuff on Spotify. So, um, I think it's just easier for listeners to find content too, which is great. Exactly. It's just easier in general, which I think is a good thing. And I think that we're going in a good direction. I know some people don't, um, but I personally feel like technology is overall good. I know there are some bad aspects to it, but you just got to like try not to uh, get involved with those. But anyways, let's get to a stoicism. Um, yeah. So you explain stoicism. Are there some things that you would like to talk about, about stoicism um, in particular? Yeah, I mean, I could just uh, just definitely stop me if I go on too much of a rant, but it's actually no, a pretty that, funny that's, story that's how, it, how it started. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I mean, uh, how it started was is actually pretty interesting. So, like, when but prior to stoicism, there's all these ideas floating around about you know how should we live our lives? What's the best way to, to live, essentially? Um, and that became like a topic of conversation in the philosophical community. And this guy, Zeno, he was a cynic. And a lot of cynics said was that they deprived themselves of everything but the most essential items to kind of prove to themselves that they didn't eat anything beyond, you know, the clothes on their back and just some food to survive. 
And so he tried doing that for a while. He felt like it wasn't for him. And then he had like an, a bowl of oatmeal one day and his friend slaps it out of his hand and he like drops it and spills it on himself. He's embarrassed. And his friend's just like, you know, what's the big deal? Like, is this really a big tragedy? All you really did was drop some food on you. And so he goes away and he thinks about that for a bit. And he ends up uh, at this place called the uh, Stoa, which is like the painted, which is the porch. It's basically like a porch in Athens. And he starts teaching there uh, some philosophy he's picked up because at this point he's a little bit older. And uh, and people really dug it. And it, it was about, you know, uh, not really, it was about trying to focus on what you can control and trying to tune out the rest of things in a sentence. But um, over time, it became known as Stoicism, which is, <laughs> and in Greek, it kind of translates to the philosophy of the porch. Um, but I'm happy to talk about I'm happy to talk about uh, what it actually entails. If that's if that's kind of the uh, the vibe here. <laughs> yeah, just go into it as much as you want. But I mean, honestly, I don't like I said before. I don't really know too much about it, so I don't. I, I don't think I'll be able to add too much about it. But I was talking with a guy, um, the last podcast about evolutionary psychology, and I actually majored mm-hmm. in psychology, so I know a decent amount about that. I'm definitely interested in it, but a lot of it he was talking about has to do with kind of like bettering yourself. And it's like, you, you can't really better yourself if you don't even know in terms of evolutionary psychology. Um, you don't really, if you don't know where you came from and you know what I mean? And why you're like, you don't even really know why you're mad or why you're anxious or whatever. Yeah. And it sounds like this is like a, a similar thing where it's like kind of how to better yourself, how to make yourself less anxious. And, um, you know what I mean? Just right. Yeah. No, yeah. Dude, that's a, that's a, that's pretty, that's a pretty good like uh way to put it. I think, I mean, it's, it's re- all it really is, is a way of thinking, right? It's like, it's, it's trying to, to live life in a way that's ethical, um, which is a big part of it. Um, but it's also just like trying to focus. It's just about keeping your perspective in line and really just trying to, live life uh balanced between your emotions and not really yielding to all of your most you know native urges so like for instance like you could be in traffic right and you know you've you've driven in the car with somebody who every time somebody cuts them off they're screaming and they're yelling and they're they're pissed off and they're letting everybody in the car know about it and you know as a passenger sometimes that can make you feel anxious or uncomfortable um but a stoic might, and I'm not saying I'm I'm like a perfect stoic or anything in the situation, but a stoic might see that happen and be like, well, that got cut me off, but there's nothing I can do about it. It's happened. The moment's passed. Whatever. I'm just going to, I'm just going to let it go. And being able to apply that kind of thinking to different areas of your life, if you can practice it like habitually, is, is like really helpful in overcoming a lot of things that make us anxious, which is why. I really like reading about it and learning about it and trying to practice it uh, daily when I can. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you would, you said you like kind of like wrote articles on it and stuff like that. What are some of the articles you've written about it, like go into exactly? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I wrote this article about like, um, about having COVID and trying to be stoic about it. So I, I got COVID recently 
and or not recently this was november last year it was right before thanksgiving and i i remember like i, I felt like i was in a really good head place and i got covid and i got it really bad like i got really sick i lost my sense of taste i lost my sense of smell i was quarantined for like two weeks just in my room and <laughs> i got out of it and i just like could not taste or smell on for months even afterwards but i just remember needing to do something so i wrote an article just being like trying to be some trying to be stoic about this but this really sucks there's so many things that are out of my control um but you know i'm stuck in my room and i think that like part of stoicism what's helpful is that in that situation it allowed me to zoom out and it's like i can't control that i have covid but I also realize that this is a really small portion of my life. If you zoom out, you know, this is just going to be a book that I barely even remember. And so just like having some sort of compass to like re reassess, re reassess and kind of reantiquate yourself with a healthier way of thinking, I think it's really helpful. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. What was your question? Uh, you asked me like, what, what, what is stoicism? Like, what is it more specifically? Oh, I was asking you like the articles you were writing uh, about it. Um, I just kind of <laughs> oh, like, yeah. I'm trying to like dig in deeper to like specific um, things you might write about or um, go into when talking about it. You know? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So sorry. Um, yeah. So I wrote an article about you know having COVID on it, but uh, really, what, what like a good way to to think about it too is um, like in terms of philosophy, there's there's probably like five main schools of philosophy. So like, for instance, like logic is one school of philosophy and it's, that's about logic, like logical thinking. And then there's uh, there's ethics, which is this question of what do we owe each other? And then there's metaphysics, which is like, who am I? What is consciousness? What is me? I think stoicism is like a really good middle ground between this question of who am I and what do we owe each other? And so it provides what I really like about it is that it provides kind of an ethical model of how we should live. And so I try to write about that. Um, but I also try to write about like practical situations where you can apply it, where it's like, um, I'm going through a breakup. You know, how can I, if you've been through a breakup, you know, your mind takes you to some crazy places and it feels like you can't really control your thoughts uh, post breakup. And so like, Stoicism can be really helpful in situations like that because it reminds you to, to not let your anxiety run away with you. And that's, that's what I try to weave into my topics on anxiety in the podcast and writing. Yeah. And in terms of like emotions, like anxiety, anger, irritation, or whatever, do you think any of those emotions are, I mean, obviously there are good emotions, but like, when you naturally instinctively get anxious or angry or whatever bad emotion, depressed, do you think there is a reason for that? In terms, if there is there a good outcome, or is it kind of just in general bad? Like you really shouldn't be feeling that way at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that's a great question because I think like Americans, we have this understanding, and really just in, the, in English, it's just in English, uh, the word stoic has kind of been mis interpreted um where we think of stoic as being somebody who is emotionless somebody who's very cool uh but you know calculator doesn't really show what they're thinking that's kind of what we think about it but and so when we think about like emotions like anger to think of it in a hundred place is not really what 
stoicism is about. Like there, there are plenty of times in life where we can be angry and we have the right to be angry and we should feel sad and we should feel joy, but it's really about like reevaluate, like trying to evaluate your reaction in the moment because like when we do get angry and we say things that we don't mean or we do things that we wish we didn't, it's like in the moment it feels good. But then afterwards you're like, what, why did I say that? Why did I do that thing? I think one of the cool things about practicing stoicism is that when you get really angry, you could be like, wait, is this how I want to be behaving right now? Is this going to be the best logical for me? Am I going to feel the best after behaving this way? You know, it's like having those different layers on top of your thoughts before you commit an action. They could be helpful with feelings like anger, but it doesn't mean they don't have their place. Yeah. And it's, it's extremely hard to get rid of them. Um, I had a period of time, like um, probably like 10 years ago or something where I am an anxious person and I was very anxious and I was like, kind of like, I have like somewhat of OCD or whatever. So I actually ended up going to like a therapist and I would say like the number one thing that I learned from him was it's just like, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It was like all this stuff that I thought mattered from on a day-to-day basis, even like a minute to minute, hour to hour or whatever I was worrying about really in the end, there was no reason to worry about it. You know what I mean? Like it was just like controlling my life. And it's like, I would probably say like the best thing that I learned from him was that. And that's why, like when I was talking to you before I brought up the nihilism thing was it's like, Obviously, I think nihilism can be bad, but I think that it can also be good in terms of I kind of think that there's a certain amount of um, humbleness or whatever that comes with nihilism where it's like everything, every decision I make isn't super important. Everything I do isn't super important. If anything, in reality, it's really not that important at all. You know what I mean? As long as you're not doing anything yeah. really bad or really good, I guess. But um, yeah. And that's why I said it sounds similar, except I think with stoicism, stoicism sounds like it might be a little bit more almost like respectable or something. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like um, instead of saying everything doesn't matter, it's like it, I guess I don't even know. Like you tell me, like you can say it does matter, but. um, Yeah. Well, I was just going to say like nihilism is like, is like, it's like fight club right where it's like let's burn this shit down because nothing matters our consequences don't really have any actions we're floating out here in this on this rock in the middle of outer space and all of it's really weird nothing we do matters like zooming out that much and like sure that's like that's kind of like punk rock i guess but it's like if you live your life with that compass like um how how do you really navigate your way to joy or happiness or contentment you know um there's there's such thing as optimistic nihilism, which I've heard of before, which is like nothing has any meaning, but that's really cool because it means we could find our own meaning. And that's kind of like, I think that's kind of like a more new aged approach to nihilism, which is really cool. Um, but stoicism, it's funny in terms of like those big existential questions. They say that you should live according to nature, which nobody has any idea what that means. <laughs> so it's kind of funny that like, on that point, it just gave us like this really vague answer. And, you know, I think the cool thing about that is like, 
you could fill in the blanks on your own. Yeah, did you say that came from Fight Club? Live according to nature. Uh, no, that's a that's a stoic thing. I was saying Fight Club, oh, okay. like nihilism. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, for one, I love the movie Fight Club, and um, you know, I do definitely agree with some of its principles. You know, um, obviously, there's some other ones like fighting that I don't necessarily agree with, but yeah, at, at the same i at the same time, I do think that it's pretty interesting the idea. Um, that like in the movie fighting, you know, kind of like let out all this anger and rage that people have. And it's like, you know, I do feel like there is a lot of internal anger and rage going on in society and culture. And I remember reading somewhere and I don't remember the exact quote or who it came from, but it was basically kind of along the lines of like culture or society has kind of made people angry i guess it's it's almost like we're like caged animals kind of you know what i mean like when you cage an animal the animal is meant to live in in nature but like when you when you cage it it's just you know it's it it just it doesn't have its freedom and to a certain extent in in society and or in in culture there's all these rules and laws that you have to abide by and i don't think we're necessarily you know, we live thousands of years or whatever, not abiding by these rules. Now, now all of a sudden, and I get why we're doing it. Like, you know, we're doing it to not like we're doing it because we have to live together and we can't like just do whatever we want. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, sometimes it can be, you know, just driving on the freeway or, or, you know, or, or going to work every day from nine to five can just be like, Oh man, this is, this is brutal. I don't know if I want to live this way, you know, but then at the same at the same time, I don't know if the alternative is necessarily better, like living out in the wild or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I mean, that's, um, I think we we all fantasize about living in a different time, right? You know, it's, the grass is always greener and you never really know. Uh, but I mean, that's where anxiety comes from, right? It's like uh, 10,000 years ago, you had to be on your toes constantly because you could be walking through your home and you could step on a rattlesnake. You know, it's like, you have to be on your toes. Uh, but I know that modern life can be can be difficult at times, but I, th- I try to remain optimistic. I mean, one of the perks of modern life is that you don't have to worry about your village being raided by people. You know, it's like yeah. uh, the problems the problems that we have are problems of abundance most of the time. And that's a, that's actually a pretty fortunate situation to be in historically. Yeah, like we have there's too much mcdonald's there's too much starbucks there's there's too many iphones um yeah yeah what's up we've had famines when we still have famines but yeah you know that that used to be like a catastrophic event that would happen now it's like heart disease is is the number one killer in the u.s it's just like what a crazy 180 you know yeah so in general do you do you think that we're going towards a positive direction as a society? Do you think things are going to get better and better or worse and worse? I know a lot of people now like to say that like, oh, things are getting really bad or whatever with the, you know, culture wars or whatever. But um, in general, how do you feel about the way things are going? It almost It almost sounds like with stoicism, is it like it almost sounds like you should have a positive attitude in every kind of scenario. Is that, is that correct to say, or. 
it's it's just about really limiting your perspective to what you can control and letting go what you can't i would say so like when you're talking about these big things like the culture wars or like this way that society is heading it's like of course i have opinions on where society is heading you know uh who who doesn't but if i dic- let my life in my entire inner life be dictated by where society is going then i'm going to miss out on all this really cool shit that's in front of me you know uh we're only here once and i think the one of the cool thing that stoicism has allowed me to see is like time as a currency where it's like um you know jeff bezos has way more money than i'll ever have but we are probably going to be on this planet a similar amount of time and so you know it, it's the one thing that we don't have and i think when you see it that way it makes just sitting out on your porch listening to the stillness like it, you can find really beautiful moments in that um you know even just seeing you know people that you haven't seen in a long time i think it can kind of refocus you and allow you to remain more present uh so those are some reasons i like it and when you can do that you don't spend as much time focusing on like you know what's what's going on in the world and you know, that's not to say that there are things that you shouldn't care about. I think that we should care about climate change. We should care about, um, you know, when uh, one country invades a sovereign nation. We should care about, you know, uh, reproductive rights. We should care about lots of different things. But if you spend your entire waking life worrying about all these things that you don't have control over, like, that's a recipe for anxiety. And you don't want to live your life that way, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, then you can ask yourself, how much control over it do you have? Because I mean, to a certain extent, it's like we do have control over climate change, but it's like on an individual level, there's only so much that you can do, sadly. You know what I mean? And other stuff too. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to worry about it, if you're really going to worry about it a lot, then like you can do something in your community to help impact it. And, and you should if you care about it that much. But, you know, uh, just, uh, you know, just reposting a news article on Instagram isn't really helping anyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. So in terms of like the history of stoicism, for some reason, when I, when I hear the word stoicism, I, I kind of think of like Russian authors, like I, I'm like totally, I'm really bad. Like with Russian author names <laughs> or yeah. author names in general, but like Doi Doyevsky or whatever his yeah. name is, and um, Nietzsche or whatever. Well, Nietzsche is more of a nihilist, right? But for some reason, am, am I correct? And there was some like Russian writers that were Stoics, right? Or or what am I thinking of with like like famous authors that that were Stoics? I'm sure. Do I mean, you know? Nietzsche, yeah. Uh, so like, I would say the Mount Rushmore of Stoicism would be uh, Epictetus, who was a slave. And he wrote this book called Discourses. And he came before Marcus Aurelius and Seneca, which are the other two. But uh, he wrote this book, Discourses, which is really influential towards Seneca. Uh, Seneca was the advisor to Nero. Uh, and I'm pretty sure him and Marcus wrote to each other. A little rusty on some, some aspects of the history. But he was the advisor to Nero. And he wrote a book. Oh, my God, I'm blanking on the name of it right now. Uh, I usually have it on my desk, like right beside me, but, um, I'm sure you could, you could find the name of it. He wrote another book 
that was really popular in Stoicism. He's considered like one of the other greats. And then uh, Marcus Aurelius, which is like the one I spent the most time with, was a Roman king. And he was he was the emperor. He was known as like one of the five good emperors of Rome. Uh, he reigned over this time of Roman history that was fairly peaceful for the most part. And he wrote this book called Meditations. It was actually his journal. So it was his personal journal that he wrote in. And it was just kind of notes to himself, but he was greatly influenced by both Seneca and Epictetus. And it's just like, because stoicism is so like internal, it's like managing your internal dialogue. Something about reading it as a journal to me made it the most impactful book. And it's just really cool. It's just like, things that he would tell himself to remind himself to remain cool and calm and collected. And, you know, this is the emperor of Rome who has a lot more problems than we probably had to deal with. And so just kind of like understanding how he was able to navigate his daily life. I mean, it's crazy how many things are applicable in that book that who would, you'd be surprised. Yeah. And Marcus Aurelius was the guy in like gladiator, the movie, right? The, I yeah, think he died exactly. in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Walking Phoenix. Well, yeah, yeah, because that's that's his dad, right? In the movie, yeah, or... yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Commodus, yeah, who was actually in real life, kind of like a he was he was kind of shitty, like he he really was like trying to be a gladiator, and he would have like fights where he would just kill animals and stuff, and he was kind of a shithead. So it's they got they got his character right in that movie. Yeah, like in the movie, Joaquin Phoenix uh, played his character well. Um, so in terms of like the modern, modern Stoics, like, um, who would you say they are? Like, would you consider like someone like Jordan Peterson? Like, do you know who Jordan Peterson is? Yes. Would you consider him like a, like a Stoic or no? (laughs) Uh, I would say that he probably has some outlooks that are Stoic in nature. Um, Ryan Holiday is an author who would probably be like, he writes books on stoicism so he wrote he wrote the daily stoic which is like a pretty good collection of like stoic quotes with some reflections on them but he's written like he writes like a book a year he's been doing that for like 12 years so he has like probably written the most out of anybody that i know uh there's this book called how to be a stoic that's really good uh by mario pigliucci i think his name is um and then like Tim Ferriss, who I mentioned earlier, who has a really good podcast, he's like he he's a big Seneca guy. Um, Letters of a Stoic that was a Seneca book, um, but he's a big Seneca guy, so he he follows him too. So, I mean, if you looked up Stoicism, you'd be surprised though, because there's there's so many people that like even Bill Clinton like was a Stoic. Uh, like, there's just like so many people through, like Theodore Roosevelt brought a copy of uh, Discourses with him into the jungles when he was doing his safari stuff, like there are a lot of people throughout history who have followed his teachings. Um, but I think it's really had a resurgence since the pandemic started. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. And it sounds like it has like a lot of like, um, maybe like monk like qualities too. Like when you hear like, you know, the monks who go and live in like a cave or whatever, and they're like kind of like happy, living in a cave right like it's kind of like just being happy happy with whatever situation life puts you in or whatever like 
which I think is extremely important. You know what I mean? Am I right about that? Is it kind of like similar to like, yeah, monks? Has a ton in common with Buddhism, actually. So like, a lot of Buddhists, like I've spoken to Buddhists who are like, who would like to talk to me about stoicism because it's kind of like one of my things. But when we get in conversations, they're like, wow, like I'm really surprised by how similar stoicism is to Buddhism. But Buddhism has, um, I think, more of a roadmap in terms of like what your goal should be. Like stoicism is like, try to be a good person, live according to nature, whatever that means. Here's some tips to do to, you know, help help you manage your anxiety. And uh, I think Buddhism, you know, you're, you're searching for some kind of enlightenment. There's, I think, a little bit more, a uh, little bit more to it probably uh, in terms of just like, definitely in terms of cultural influence. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it has a ton in common with a lot of different religions. But I would say like the only, like to your point earlier, one of the goals of stoicism is like ataraxia, which is not actually a stoic word, but it's a word in Greek that basically means like, uh, it's like stillness. It's like uh, free from disturbances, free from distractions. It's kind of like enlightenment. And so the goal of stoicism, I think, is really to not try and seek happiness, but try and seek contentment. Okay. And um, in terms of like religions, you said you were raised, you know, Christian. Um, For one, would you say you are still a Christian now or religious now? No, I just I just say I'm optimistically agnostic. Okay. And in terms of the in terms of religion and morality, I guess, um, do you feel like Christianity is a good thing as a whole and all religions and which religion do you, if you are going to be a religious, which religion would you say would be the best one to go for? Yeah. I mean, do, do I think it's good? I think it's good for some people. I think it's great for some people. Um, one of my favorite philosophers is George Santanyana. And he was like this guy, he was an American philosopher, but he's like from Spain. But he was like Catholic and kind of had this thing similar to me where he realized that it really wasn't for him. But I appreciate his perspective on it. He was just like, hey, I'm going to realize that this really works for these people. I'm going to leave them to it. I'm going to say good for you. I'm glad this works for you. Happy for you. I'm going to do my own thing. I think that's how everyone should be. Uh, and that's kind of where I find myself. But at the same time, uh, a lot of damage has been done in the name of religion. And, you know, there's supposed to be a separation of church and state. And in America, that has not been the case. And so while I, there are many people in my life who are religious that I love, and I think that are amazing people. um, I also don't love to see the impact that it has on our politics and the way that our legislation is passed. And I, you know, I think that people can, of all religions can be shitty, even atheists. If I had to subscribe to one religion, to answer your question, I'd probably lean maybe into Buddhism, but I I kind of like not having one. Uh, I I kind of have like um, my own ideas of God. that I feel like we're in a good place. It's like a game of Jenga, or I, I feel like I've had a lot of pieces missing. And if I have, 
if I learn anything new, it's going to all fall apart. But I, I have a pretty good, I'm at a pretty good place in terms of my idea of God. And what is your idea of God? Um, I mean, I think that it is, it is something as opposed to nothing. Like, I don't think that everything is here as opposed to, ch- as because of chance. I mean, just like, just statistically, I think that like, all this is so rare that it is, it's impossible that it happened by chance. But I think the intelligence that does that, that like wills life to live, I think it's like this thing that lives in all of us. Like we're all kind of united by this kind of flash of life that we experience. And I don't know. I think that there's something, but, you know, uh, our ideas of God are always just humans with superpowers, right? It's like if triangles had a God, to God would be a triangle, (laughs) you know, we're the same way. And so um, I think that, whatever God exists, it's kind of beyond our comprehension in terms of what it could be or what it would think like. Yeah. Like whenever I hear somebody try to explain God on a podcast or whatever, it just, um, I mean, obviously like what you said, I makes sense and I agree with you, but it just sounds kind of like, I don't know. Like when, um, I mean, I think it's impossible to explain. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Explain. Um, We've been trying um, to do it for since you know we had invented culture. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, yeah, I guess even trying to explain God is since it's impossible. It's almost like I don't want to say like, do you even want to go there? But it's like you should. But um, yeah, and then in terms of god like do you well first of all do you you know the whole simulation argument or whatever um first of all do you believe we're living in a simulation and then second of all if we are would you consider the creator of our simulation like god basically or is it is it something else you know yeah well this is a really cool thing about what i think is really cool about like reading philosophies that you realize that like these ideas that we have are not even like as new as we think they are. So like this this guy in France, his name is Descartes. He had this theory of of basically what you just described. And this was like, I think in the 1600s. But his, his version of living in a simulation was like, are we living in a demon's dream? And is there any way to prove that we're not actually living in a demon's dream? And his answer was, they came up with was, I think, therefore I am. So it's like, I don't know. We could be living in a simulation. This could be the matrix. Um, But at the same time, it's like we have, we're experiencing five senses. Uh, This feels real. This is like reality. It's just like exactly like the matrix, like the guy eating the steak, like it tastes real, feels real. It's basically real. You know what I mean? So it's, I, you know, uh, the stoic in me wants to say that it, would, it doesn't really matter as long as all of those things, all those boxes are checked. But, um, but it is fun. It is fun. I thought exercise. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. Like, wh- what does it matter as long as I can feel and taste and whatever else? Then uh, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter if I'm living in a demon's dream, you know. Yeah. But um, that's why I just think a lot of the philosophy on God and in general 
even though I think philosophy is really interesting and stuff, it's almost like it can only go so far. And when I, it's kind of, kind of sad. And I'm also not that intelligent, but when I listen to a lot of these podcasts on different ideas, it seems like they're kind of just talking about the same things over and over again. And I'm, I'm rarely hearing like kind of like new ideas. And probably the last thing that like really blew me away is I would say is probably like the physics stuff. Like with, I don't know if you know who like Sean Carroll is or those types of people, but um, they're into like, um, I for, I'm from forgetting the name of it, but like quantum physics where like when okay, you look, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Like when you look yeah. at something, like when you look at something, when you look at like an atom or whatever, it like, it like turns away or whatever. So then there's like this like multiple worlds theory that we, you know what I mean? Like that we could be living in like a potential, like multiple worlds, you know, that, I mean, that to me is just absolutely insane. Anything with like, you know, quantum physics or like even tech, I feel like tech's going in a way, in, in a way. And I like this where it's like, it's almost like it's, it's getting so crazy so fast that like, we really don't know. It's almost like, you know, it's almost eventually it's just going to like, you know, it might like take the reins or whatever. And it's like, to me, that's just like really exciting, even though it, it could potentially be bad. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if you heard of that recent Google guy who came out and said, he thinks like the Google AI was sentient. And it, yeah. I read, I read the, uh, I read the transcripts. Pretty interesting. I, I talked to I talked to somebody else about that on podcast too. Insane, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I actually didn't read the transcripts. I listened to him, and I didn't feel like he, from what he said, had a good. He didn't. <coughs> I don't think he like necessarily um, proved what he was saying. But according to the transcripts, <coughs> would you say that you agree with him on the Google AI being sentient, <laughs> and can it even be sentient? Do you think? <laughs> yeah my bad man no problem <clears throat> i drank a sip of water and went down the wrong way yeah, yeah i am <laughs> um i think i ate too much before this podcast so i was like overly tired kind of you know what i mean like uh like a food coma but anyways yeah. no i just want to answer your question but i i couldn't speak yet oh no problem yeah yeah apologize hopefully you can take that out oh no problem take your time <laughs> um but yeah, so I'm sorry. Your question was um, was about the AI guy, and when you asked me if I was convinced by it. Well, I'm actually kind of in- interested in the transcripts. What exactly did the transcripts say? If you can like summarize it, um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, so this is this is really interesting because because uh, I, I this happened when I talked to Kevin Kelly, who who is the futurist godfather. He he's he wrote a book that inspired the Matrix. So it's like he, he was the perfect person to ask. I asked him the same question. I was like, well, you know, what, what did you think of all of this? And I mean, this transcript is, is really impressive for a chat box, right? Because they're, they're talking about existentialism. They're talking about what it feels like to experience consciousness as an as a artificial intelligence. Um, where is it going is, is an interesting question because whatever whatever intelligence it is and this is this is what kevin said now he's much better point source of authority than me but it is like an alien technology so it's not going to be it's not going to be consciousness 
as we understand it in the same way that God is a consciousness that we can't understand. It's going to be like this alien consciousness. Um, it'll be like, can we communicate with it? Sure. And is it sentient now? Probably not. But, you know, one day it could be. And that's that's what's crazy about it. Yeah, but then you have to ask yourself, like, the question of sentience in general. Like, what does that kind of, like, even mean? And um, you know what I mean? It's like... Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, and, like, if we're conscious, conscious... Yeah, so what, I mean, what do you... <laughs> I'm going to ask you the hard question. So what do you, what do you think conscious consciousness is? Oh, dude. Or sentience. I, know, man. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, what, what is it? Uh, that, that's a great question. Yeah. All it really is, is experiencing the present moment. Right. So like, that's a pretty good place to operate from. Um, I just kind of like see consciousness as life just as just life in a flash. It's like, you know, we don't really know how we got here or what it means, what any of this all means. But like the fact that we're here and you and I can make noises and understand each other and I can go uh, after this interview and get some really good food or, you know, laugh at a joke. It's like, dude, all these really, these really small details about life that we take for granted are actually like, really really cool and beautiful things um so i don't know what consciousness is or why we're here but i think the cool thing is just to focus on like okay i don't really know <laughs> and maybe, maybe i never will and maybe i'll spend my time reading about other people who have really spent some time trying to figure this stuff out and see if i can learn from them um but yeah do that i don't really know what consciousness or sentience is um but I do know a little bit about trying to navigate it and trying to not let it run away with me. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I don't really know where I'm going and I don't know where I came from, but I'm just going to be happy that I'm alive for now. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, that's what anxiety is. It's anxiety is just this big, what if it's like, uh, what if I, what if I, what if I do this thing? What if I, uh, what if I say this and this person thinks it's embarrassing you walk into a room full of strangers. What is everyone thinking about me? None of that matters, you know? Yeah. <laughs> None of it matters. Yeah. And, um, like, what are your thoughts on, like, morality in general? Like, because I know, like, we've kind of come to think that certain things are wrong and right in religion or whatever else is kind of evolution maybe has, like, taught us to be a certain way and think certain things are wrong or right. But do you feel like there even is kind of like a, a wrong or right or do you feel like everything just kind of like is yeah i mean i think there's totally a wrong or right uh like a, a, stoicism to get back to stoicism is like yeah you know really a big part of it is is the ethical is, is ethics it's it's uh the four the four virtues of stoicism are temperance which is like discipline wisdom courage and justice which is basically like fairness and equality and like those are all like important things but i was talking to a professor of ethics and it was pamela hieronymy on my podcast she was the consulting philosopher for the good place uh, on nbc so if you've ever seen it the entire question of it is it's kind of dealing with ethics and 
this question of what do we owe each other? And we had this really interesting conversations because we, we both agreed that like asking yourself, am I a good person is actually like not a very good question to ask yourself because it's kind of narcissistic and it's, it's really like not that interesting. It's like a pretty boring question. It's like, am I a good person? Well, like what even, what defines that? Like if, if you, if you, you know, lived a really good life, but you cheated on your spouse one time is, are you permanently a bad person? Or if you were a bully when you were a kid and you grew up and you didn't, you were a pretty nice person afterwards, like, are you a bad person because you're a bully? Like, those things are like, you know, they're so subjective that they're pointless to even ask. So a better question is, is this question of like, what do we owe each other? You know, how can we, how can we live together in a civilization, in a society without disturbing each other that in a way that it's all agreeable, that we're all cool with these rules and that nobody's getting shafted. Like those are, those are more interesting questions, I think, than like, am I a good person or not? Yeah. And, um, I think more recently I've kind of, um, it's kind of like sad to say, but I think more recently I kind of have come, not come to the conclusion, but kind of thought that like, there really isn't morality. I mean, it, like I'm definitely a moral person and I'm, I think people look at me as being a very nice person. And I think that trying to like live, you know, with people and be nice to people and, and give to people and all that is very good. But in terms of like an evolutionary sense, if you don't believe in God, it's like, well, then who made up the rules? And if you look at the animal kingdom, they're definitely not living by any rules. You know what I mean? And I feel like I kind of wonder sometimes if I, I've heard people say stuff like society is set up in a way now, especially like with businesses and stuff that, um, yeah, the rules have been made to essentially like help the rich and like kind of make it harder on the poor. And so sometimes I might even be able to like justify like stealing or something. You know what I mean? But it's like, <laughs> like I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to say that like I'm going to go and steal, but it's like, if somebody steals from Amazon or Walmart, I don't really care. You know what I mean? It's like good for them, yeah. especially if they need it. You know what I mean? <laughs> And it's like I don't really I don't really care if the rule the rules say that that's bad or whatever, because Walmart treats their employees like shit, Amazon treats their employees like shit. So with that being said, I don't think it's necessarily good to just go about your life following the rules because it's like who made up the rules? You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like I don't think God did, you know what I mean? And um if God didn't, then who has who has like the permission to tell you what you can do? You know what I mean? And I know that, that that can sound kind of bad, almost like, oh, go steal or go do this or go do that. And I definitely don't think that you should do certain things like kill or those types of things. But, um, you know, do you yeah. kind of get what I'm getting at? Like, I, I don't necessarily yeah. feel like there's a rule book that anybody wrote down, but some people do. Like some people will say the Bible did. But then that brings you to an, an interesting, another interesting point, which is. Like when you really go, I'm I'm actually pretty interested in religion, um, and like more of like kind of like the history of religion. And it's like when you go and read the Bible, isn't necessarily saying exactly what Christians or Catholics or Jewish people or whatever are saying that it is saying. And in some situations, it's not exactly backing up 
their 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 viewpoint which is based on it you know what i mean yeah well it's like uh yeah no i i definitely get what you mean because like that that's like a whole pro-life pro-choice conundrum in and of itself but it's like to, to your point about like nature being pretty metal and it's like if you look at nature like they, they kill each other and like we, we're kind of part of nature but it's like my answer to that is just like we should we should have better standards than like well the dog killed killed the cat so i should be able to kill this you know, I should be able to do this thing you know it's like if that's the standard we're willing to live by then like that's a pretty low standard um but like you know if, if someone is starving and they they steal food from uh, a walgreens or a walmart like i don't care either like you know like i i, I want to see everyone taken care of and live a, a happy life if they can but there's also there has to be there has to be some areas that are not morally gray like for like for instance like like murder like even that one stuff because like we have militaries and you know you look at some of the world situations that are happening right now and it's like uh you can go down a rabbit hole on some gray areas for sure um but it's like when it comes to rape or something like that is it like i don't really want to hear the counter argument <laughs> to it you know it's not it's not like i want to be like rape is bad but you know well in this situation under these circumstances it's like no like there should be some things in life that are sacred moral things that we can all agree to are bad things and should not be participating in you know what i mean yeah i definitely think that taking like yeah like murder rape um you know anything <laughs> like that is definitely not good and we need to do something about it and we could go i mean i could honestly go off on on those topics but um we only have so much time so um yeah so you mentioned fight club i'll try and wrap it up here um mm -hmm. unless you want to keep going but um you mentioned fight club and you also mentioned that you were like a writer into film and stuff what are some mm -hmm. movies that you would say for one you either just enjoy and you think have like a really good maybe um topic or whatever that they're covering or two i guess you could say like represent stoicism in a good way yeah great both good questions um i mean i love fight club uh, it, it's like i i liked it a lot when i was like 18 like every 18 year old does i still really appreciate it now but i kind of see it as like a cool critique of capitalism and then like try to discard disregard some of the other aspects of it um i mean like i have like i think like her it's like my favorite movie uh spike by spike jones with walking phoenix in it like, I, I know it's kind of a dark horse pick but i think that is like a, just a beautiful film um and then like anything david fincher does i think it's like pr pretty cool like I, I like a lot of his stuff um but the good films for stoicism i'm trying to think of a good a good one for that you know, um, have you ever heard of the Count of the Monte Cristo? Yeah, I have. I actually, sorry, the thing the thing was on mute. Um, yeah, was, I, I have, and yeah, it's a very good movie. Yeah, Absolutely. so like, I think that's just like a fun, like, stoic thing, because like, 
if you're not familiar with the story, this guy spends like 20 years in prison and it's like, and then he gets out of it and he has to plan everything. He has to be so calculated about his life afterwards. Um, and I don't know, I think that's probably not a great example <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, I'm not sure if there's, I'm sure there are, um, there are plenty of stoic examples like uh, Job from the Bible uh, is like a really good like example of stoicism. It's like this thing, this guy who like, every terrible thing happens to him and he just has to keep his faith that it's going to get better. Um, yeah, anything like more, if you're, if you're having a hard time in life and things look dark and then it ends up looking brighter than it did at that point, that's like, that's a good example of stoicism in film. Art. Yeah. And I feel like there was, I can't think of the movie. I, I, it might be like a Coen brothers movie or something that was like, supposedly based on job like very um very uh not not very obviously based on job but you know what i mean um is it oh brother where art thou i think so it's it's one of those i can't yeah. i don't even know how oh brother where out there would be related to joe but i feel like that might be it yeah um yeah but as far as the um count of monte cristo one I, I would say it probably isn't stoic because of the revenge aspect. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. Or, or yeah, is revenge? A, no, that's a great point. That's a very good point. His entire motivation in that in that story is revenge, and that's what makes it so cool. But that's also very not stoic. So it's a that's a great call out <laughs> and, and uh, further proof that that was a bad example. <laughs> well, no, I actually, yeah, I mean, I I don't know how stoicism looks upon revenge. It sounds like bad, but in my opinion there are some situations where it's good and that would be one of them. I think, you know what I mean? Um, A better example, it might be like the Odyssey, you know, if if you're familiar with that story, uh, with like Odysseus, you know, kind of trying to come home, he goes to the Trojan war and he's trying to get home for 10 years. He's trying to get home and it takes him 10 years because like every bad thing that could possibly happen to him happens to him, but he like remains cool and collected and he's, he thinks of strategies and he's logical about his way of getting out of them. Like that's very stoic. It's a very stoic story, um, but yeah. it ends pretty violently too, which is not very stoic. <laughs> Was there a movie based on Odyssey? I, I kind of remember like a TV show that came out with a while ago. That was right. Well, you know it's funny, dude. A brother where art thou? Actually, and now I'm thinking about it, is based off the Odyssey. Like it's like the Coen's brother movie that's like based loosely on it. Okay, so that um, but, one. But I haven't seen it in forever, so I can't really speak to all the parallels. But that one for sure. Like, I know there's sirens at least. <laughs> I remember that from being a kid and watching it. Yeah, well, Brother Were Out There was one of those movies that I saw, and everybody told me it was good. And I saw it a while ago, so my opinion could change now. But I remember thinking it wasn't as good as everyone said it was. And same with um, The Big Lebowski. <laughs> the Big Lebowski. Like, <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I think they're good, and I think there's a possibility that everybody just ruined it for me by saying how good they were. But I just didn't. I didn't see why it was so good. But yeah, um, I feel the same way as you about the Big Lebowski. Like I, I, I watched it after being suggested to, to having it suggested to me like a million times. It was just like kind of underpriced. But to be honest, like the Cohen brothers, I know like I went to film school, so I should love them, but. I've just never been about them. Like I, I liked the country for old men. I thought that movie was so good. <clears throat> Everything else by them, like it was kind of lukewarm. Lukewarm on it. 
Yeah, I would say No Country for Old Men is definitely one of my favorite movies. And I'd Fargo too. Fargo is cool. Yeah, Fargo, yeah. No Country for Old Men. I'd honestly have to look at their like movies because I know there's more that I like. Their their most recent one, um, on Netflix, the uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Did you see that one? <laughs> yeah, I did watch it. I, I see, that was another <laughs> one. I was just like. I had that one got really hyped up for me, and I watched it. And I was just like, "Yeah, it's not it's not the Coen Brothers guy." I don't think. Yeah, did that like one. It? Yeah, I did, and I think it was mainly because, um, I there was a, it was a bunch of different stories, and I felt like each one, like I'm really bad at like critiquing movies or whatever, and I could be totally getting this wrong, but I felt like each one was about kind of like death and like. It almost just kind of like showed how death was back then in the Wild West or whatever it was supposed to be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was just like yeah, people would just like die. That. Like, and it like what it it just was just like a normal thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like today, <laughs> today like people when people die, it's tragic, it's awful. But like in certain times, it hasn't been that way. You know what I mean? It was like oh, just somebody died. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just like oh yeah, that's just that's just how it is. Like it's like how like the average age for someone's life in medieval time was like twenty five, and that's like because like people died when they were really young all the time. But it's crazy. Like you, you, there's it was so much easier to die. I like that. I like that critique of that movie though. I think that's a good. Yeah, that's just what I got from it, and yeah. um, and sometimes I get I like rant. You know, everybody can look at it their own way, but um, yeah, yeah. So like is that. there, yeah, is there anything else you wanted to end on? I mean, just the, I real quick on that, on death, like just the idea of death in general is just such a, it's just such a weird one. You know what I mean? It's like, there's no, there's, <laughs> yeah. it's just so hard to like wrap your head around when you die. That's it. And no more, you know what I mean? Unless, unless you think that there is, you know what I mean? So yeah i mean that's why i started a podcast about it man it's like that's the that's the real that's the root of everything right but it's like that's like another thing that we can't control right like we know that we're gonna die like it's going to happen there's never been a human that has lived before us that hasn't died you know that's just like that's that's the finish line for everybody but and you can fear that you can use that as an excuse to to do a b and c thing with your life or you could see that as like time being a currency and time being like this precious thing and uh and even though you're gonna die like you're you're still alive now if you're listening to this so how are you gonna spend your time you know and that's that's what's really cool about life is it's up to us yeah and is there anything you want to end on um in terms of stoicism i know i kind of reared off of that just because i i didn't have too much to say about it but um no, yeah, I mean, is there any final words? Yeah, if you're interested in stoicism, uh, check out Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Uh, the Daily Stoic is also like a pretty good book just to like dive in. So is how to be a stoic. Um, there's also a subreddit I write posts there sometimes, so you can check that out if you're a writer. And uh, but yeah, and if you liked anything that I had to say, feel free to check out my podcast. It's called don't panic we're all going to die and it's about exploring existential topics and sometimes we talk about stoicism cool man i'll definitely check it out and it sounds like you managed to get some uh good guests on there 
So I'll, I will definitely uh, check that one out. Yeah, Portugal the Man is coming on on my next episode. So if you like indie music or rock oh, music, wow, check, no check way! Out. How'd you get yeah. them on? I'm actually a big fan of them. Oh yeah, <laughs> cool dude. Yeah, <laughs> uh, dude, just just grinding, man. I I send out a lot of emails and you know, uh, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I I I have some people that I work with that that I, I you know we collaborate and stuff and. Um, I, I just send out emails. Uh, sometimes you just ask the right people who know other people, and I think like what's been really cool is just, like um, with with my thing. Like I I feel like uh, I, I interview a lot of musicians because I'm, I'm a musician myself, so I speak the same language and I kind of see the world I think similarly. Uh, but I also play their songs throughout the episodes, which is cool. So if like you know. Um, if you've never heard the band before, you can check out their music as you listen to the podcast. And I think that's cool for musicians too. It's like, you know, uh, they get to play their music on a podcast, which is cool. Damn, man. Yeah, I'm um, I'm definitely into them and indie rock. Are you? Are, do you have any more plans to have indie rock artists on there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I mean, ho- hopefully, like you know, in a perfect world, uh, I I can tape the podcast live and have people play live uh but right now you know it's still it's still a small venture it's just me but um but yeah love talking to musicians i think it's i mean dude it's just so fun man um talking to these people so i'm never gonna say no the opportunity to do it yeah are you doing it live with them like are they actually coming to your place to do it or is it over over the phone or whatever yes i just use a riverside fm (laughs) Uh, i just use riverside fm they don't sponsor me or anything so i don't know i said it like that but uh and i use that to record the podcasts and then i edit in a few different softwares but yeah you can record live podcasts with with uh riverside fm it's pretty good all right sweet man um yeah i actually tried so like before i was just doing it with my friend and we were just kind of talking shit or whatever but um I sent out probably like a hundred and it it was over Instagram. So a lot of people did probably didn't even look or get it, but I sent out a bunch over Instagram to like really small indie artists and other people. And I got very few responses. And the ones that I did respond, they they were like, what's your podcast? I told them and they're like, kind of like, no, thank you. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was like, man, this is going to be harder than I thought. I thought I'd at least be able to get like really small indie rock artists, but I don't know. They musicians seem to be, difficult to get on they don't really seem to care you know what i mean a lot you know it's like i don't know that but i also posted in like the indie rock or indie whatever subreddit and i got very few responses so they seem to be just kind of like you know um maybe introverted or something i don't know but um, yeah i mean it could be it could be any combination of things the hard thing about musicians is they're oftentimes on tour uh, which makes it really hard. But, yeah. You know, uh, I, yeah, I get it. I, yeah. But, um, dude, I'm really glad we did this. Uh, we, we did this conversation. I have to I have to head out pretty soon here. But I'm really happy that we were able to connect. I'm really looking forward to seeing how this comes out. And we'll be curious to see how future episodes come out as well. I am too, Nava. Thanks for coming on. You were very, um, very nice about coming on. Like, you were very uh, forward, I guess. And to the point so thank you that it was so quick and easy and i'll check out your podcast and um let me know if you ever want to come on again 
Okay. Thanks, Micah. Take All care. Right, thank Have you. Have a great rest of your night. Bye. You too. Bye.